Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties listen to the questions you have. We find pros in the know to help you learn. And connect with our amazing VO community. Welcome, Welcome to, to VO, VO Booth, Booth Besties. Besties. I don't care if you're coming into voiceover in stage one, if you're in the middle level of your career, or you're an advanced pro. Your voice matters. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what people say to you. Your voice has value, each and every one of us. Welcome, everyone, to VO Booth Besties. We're here to help working voice actors get your most important questions answered by industry pros who know. Each week, we have a new topic and a guest speaker who is an expert on that topic. To stay up to date on all things VOBB, you can swing by our website and sign up for our weekly newsletter, and be sure to join our VO Booth Besties Facebook group as well. And now, without further ado, let's meet our guest. Over to you, JT. Thank you. Dave Walsh has been a key national voiceover talent for over 25 years and one of the industry's premier voiceover coaches for more than 15 years. I can attest to how awesome Dave is. <laughs> Fantastic. It's <laughs> so sweet. His credits as a signature voice are extensive. ABC, AT&T, Big Brother, Food Network, Hyundai, TLC's Modern Marbles, NBC, Shell, TBS, and Wells Fargo, just to name a few. Dave is a former studio executive for CBS Paramount Television and owner of his own media consulting agency, Walsh Media. Dave is well-versed in the multi-platform framework of entertainment branding. These diverse career paths merge to form the cornerstone of Walsh's powerful and well-known coaching technique, the True Tell, a unique and effective method of building greater individual, professional, and personal confidence, better performance, and overall success. Over to you, NJ. Thanks for joining us, Dave. Hello, ladies. How are you? How are you? How are you? We are fabulous. Uh, nice. We are so excited to have you on. I tell you what, as soon as we made the post that we were having you on, we were getting pinged right and left that, oh my gosh, Dave is so great. And I've seen, I've worked with him before, coached with him, saw him at a conference. And so I know this is going to be a great discussion. This so let's start at the beginning. Which came first, voiceover or studio exec? Ah, uh, well, actually, you know, it's so funny. No one has ever asked that question before. Um, <laughs> actually, voiceover came first, but it was as a kid. Um, oh. I had always, I had loved the microphone. I was a geek that, you know, for back to like seven, eight, nine years old. Um, I used to record TV programs with audio recorders. Stop doing the math. Um, <laughs> a couple years ago, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. And I used to memorize, I used to memorize tv shows and then would lip sync them okay and that was just kind of like that was a geeky thing i did no one ever said to me yeah dave you know what you should do you should just take some audio recorder and record the audio from tv show and i started to get really really um i would get excited about promos for tv shows knowing tv schedules and and just learning about sound that nobody ever taught me and then when i was a teenager i would create my own radio shows i would create the 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 liners in and out of the shows i would i mean i would do full shows and my my parents i used to give them cassettes and thinking about it now where my parents used to bring these cassettes in the car and people would have to listen to them <laughs> which i and my mother and her, her her italian bostonian voice would say that's david isn't that wonderful i mean it was just it was as embarrassing as it could be but 
that was how I started really finding the love of the microphone. And that that is a great that is just a great story. And I want to just add story. to it because I know it sounds like you and I are two peas in a pod. So <laughs> I have always been a singer and a dancer. Like I that is just that's been my lifeblood. I got into voiceover later in life, but I would very similarly, I would create productions. I mean, I would you know, have a Beach Boy cassette player, right? And I would, um, or I'd have, you know, the cassette, I I would make up a dance to a Beach Boy song or whatever it was. And anyway, I too, I would write up invitations and take them to the neighbors, unbeknownst to my mother or father. And I was like, hey, you're invited to a production that I'm putting on. And like, people would come to the door and my mom, they were like, we're here for the production. And my mom's like, what are you (laughs) talking about and they would hold out this you know pencil and crayon invitation I've written and I've already distributed like I was an entrepreneur too like yeah very early on totally it was those things where and like people would appease it like people would do come you know and it's like and my parents never were embarrassed they were never they were just always excited you know (laughs) I I give them so much credit you know it's it's crazy so um, in fact, we had a, a neighbor, this woman named Lucille Tringali, who said to my mother, if that kid doesn't go into entertainment, you, you failed. Like there's yeah. something <laughs> not to it. like, this is just his thing. Right. So that, was, love it. so that was, you know, that was that. And then in college, I went to school for TV production and, and I really was coming to California. That was always my goal after college was to come to LA. And, okay. and my uncle was a, was a, promotion manager for Columbia records. And had said to me, you know, if you want to be a radio DJ, which was one of my goals, he said, you're going to have to live out of a suitcase and move from market to market. That was going to be your life. And it was either that or television in Hollywood. So I chose Hollywood one out. Uh, first of all, because I loved LA and I loved the weather and whatever. So I came here and I started that studio route, as I mentioned. And my first job, um, when I got out of college was for a talent agency in LA. That was the best education I could have ever gotten because it taught me how agents deal with clients, clients deal with agents, how vendors work with agents, you know, deal memos, how to set up screenings, like where the best restaurants is. I mean, it couldn't be any more Hollywood. This is 1987. So it was in the middle of like, you know, excess. It was just, you know, everybody had huge budgets and they went to all the best restaurants and all this, this stuff. But it was more of kind of understanding how Hollywood worked and how the entertainment business worked. And I couldn't have asked for a better college, post-college degree, one and a half years working for a talent agency. Anyone out there that's, that's either thinking about coming to LA or getting into the business, agencies are a great place to start because as you move up in the voiceover chain and you develop relationships with agents and managers, et cetera, you learn what they do behind the scenes when you're not talking to them. In terms well, of so what's that? This is an inter- well, this is an interesting point I want to jump on before we keep going is that you weren't necessarily doing voiceover straight out of the gate. You're you're on the industry side. Yeah. You're on the business side. I mean, what a, a first of all, happy accident, a great idea, but that really changes things, I imagine, for you. It does because I came from the, the supplier side. I came from first I was a publicist for four years. So I knew how to write press releases, understood media tours, understood all that. And then when I went to Paramount, by the way, in the middle of this, and I've told this story before, but I'll tell it really quickly. In the middle of working as a publicist, 
Um, I went to a store here in LA called the Samuel French Bookstore. Anyone that has either been to LA for a period of time or lives here may remember it. It was basically the clearinghouse for anything in entertainment, anything published, et cetera. It's a great, great resource. It's now, of course, gone the way of COVID, gone the way of bookstores folding, et cetera, et cetera. But one day I went to the Samuel French store and there was a book in the middle of the store with this huge, it was a multicolored book and had a microphone on the front and it said, word of mouth, that was the name of it, how to make money in professional voiceovers. And the two authors were Sue Blue, Susan Blue and Molly Ann Mullen. And I, you know, I gravitated towards it because it was so colorful. But inside the book were all of these pictures of actors in a voiceover studio. Like because I had come from wanting to be in radio, I didn't know what voiceover was. I had no idea, but I knew it had to do with a microphone. And I went back to the office and I'm flipping through the book and I'm mentioning people's names. There's Bo Weaver, who is an industry legend. And another name I mentioned was Tom Pinto. (laughs) A lot of you know who Tom Pinto is. And I mentioned the name to a friend of mine on the phone. I hang up the phone. The woman that worked next to me, her name was Susan Castile. She walked over to me and said, did you just mention Tom Pinto? I said, yes, why? She said, that's my brother. No. Word of God. She (laughs) she said, would you like to meet him? Tom and Nick O'Mana, who again is another legend in this business, an amazing coach, a great actor. Tom uh, Tom and Nick owned Voice Tracks West, which was three buildings down from where I was working. And in the book, all the pictures taken were in Voice Tracks West. All the pictures of the actors and the recording, the recording scenarios, et cetera, all of it had been centered at Voice Tracks West, which literally was three buildings down. So that was my foray into voiceover was meeting Tom and wow. Nick. Wow. And I just all- did my animation demo at Voice Tracks West. Did you? Yes. Love that place. Love that's that. awesome. That's yeah. Fantastic. It was, oh. it was, it was a fun it, again, as we said, it was kind of like a, a really great accident. Yeah. And that, that was, and so in the middle of this, I still was working as an executive in television. So I was balancing two worlds. Okay. And eventually I took more classes and classes and cut my first promo demo with Nick, my first commercial demo with Nick. And so that's how it started. And in the middle of all this, I got my first agent at Abrams Artists here in LA. And that's just kind of how it started. Um, and over time, I developed my, my, when I went to Paramount, I was director of research. And so we handled uh, the selling of all of our shows for network television, for syndication, for international. So I was used to being on what we call the supplier side of the business. Right. Right. So I understood how shows were marketed, et cetera. And then when I started getting hired as a voice talent, I knew like your, your work was hanging on a string. Like, Based on the ratings, like if a show was tanking, you may have two to three to four episodes. The shelf life of your job is that. And it's basically all based on that, right? So I just started to kind of have an appreciation on both sides of the glass, if you will. I understood how that worked and I still do. And I try to instill that in my clients too, to really, and I don't know, we were not really planning to go here yet, but- That's all right. This is for everybody. This kind of goes to what we're talking about with authenticity and talking about the true tell. It's understanding the business you're in, everybody. The, the, the biggest compliment you can give to a vendor, to a client, to an agent, to a manager, even to a pay-to-play client is knowing what the, pardon me, hell you're talking about. Really understanding the client, the product, the show, the movie, 
I don't care what it is, the, you know, the e-learning piece you're doing, the corporate narration piece you're doing, when you've spent the time researching for that client, it's going to, they're going to hear it. Yeah. That couldn't be more of an acknowledgement and an appreciation that the client's going to have. You might not even know it, but that's what's going to, one of the things that's going to get you hired and rehired. So what did it look like? Um, also kind of going in this direction too. So what did it look like? So you're on the supplier side, you're yeah. bopping around to different, you've got an agent. So at that time though, how were you developing a voiceover career? Were you getting stuff from agents like in, you know, in you were auditioning in the evening or like, like what did that look like for you that you got to a point where you were doing voiceover and pulling away from kind of the supplier side or did you I, ever? I got to tell you, it, uh, the only word I can use to describe that time was white knuckle because okay. <laughs> the only time in the day I had to audition was my lunch hour. Yep. Now, at this time, I had moved on to Tisherman Agency, which now is TGMD. So Tisherman, Steve Tisherman and Vanessa Gilbert were my, these were my, these were my guru agents. They were phenomenal. And I'm still incredibly good friends with Steve Tisherman and his wife, Arlene. They're awesome. And Vanessa is Vanessa. She's incredible. If anybody knows Vanessa Gilbert, she is just an incredible lady and a huge support. Um, I would have to go in a window to Tisherman and audition. Now, where I had to get out of my office to get to the garage, I mean, these studios, anybody that's been to LA or works at one of the studios, the garages where you park your cars are not next to your office. You've got to go across the lot to get to the garage. So my hour began the second I walked out the door and I had to then drive for about 15 minutes to Tisherman had to get my, my scripts and audition and be back within one hour to one hour and 30 minutes. Like that's all I had. So that time was really stressful where I had to come back to the studio and get into a conference call with like the, the offices and producers, whatever else. And it was stressful as hell, but I did it until like, I just, I started, all I can tell you is I started to really, really coach extensively. I went to start working with Maurice Tobias and started to really, really like put the pedal to the metal. And in the year 98, in 98, I didn't renew my contract with Paramount. I started to do a consulting business. I started doing research as a consultant. Okay. And built my office at home so that I had more flexibility to audition and work and voiceover. That's how I kind of got out from beneath the, the, the corporate curtain was to create my own business just like I had at the studio. And I had a number of production companies as my clients and stuff. So it was a gradual move out um, until I ended up working. I, I was signed by Debbie Cope, who's uh, in, uh, just one of the legendary managers uh, and is just such a good friend to this day. And that's when things changed. When with CESD and with Debbie, everything had gone to a new level. And I kind of pulled away from corporate and haven't looked back since. So that was, that, that's how that started. That's amazing. So I have one more question before I jump over to AB. So what yeah. is the primary function of Dave Walsh Media? Now, well, it, and now it's, it's kind of the, the name and in the bio, I have to take, take the name out. That was really the name that I used for the, for the research, for the, for the, oh, oh, okay. the research business. No, but that's fine. Okay. Um, the, 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 Right now, Walsh Voiceover Coaching has been my business for the last 15 years. I've been working as a voice actor as, for a number of those years. And about five or six years ago, I stepped away from day-to-day -day voiceover because this had become such an incredible part of my career 
And I think some of you may know, some of you may not know. The reason I started coaching was because I had a vocal injury uh, a number of years ago at the height of my voiceover career, which put me into a psychological and financial spiral and creative spiral. Uh, no one could tell me what the problem was. And I found out I had strangled my vocal cords uh, because I'd not used them uh, uh, correctly. Uh, and we now have, as a lot of you know, we have, you know, doctors that are starting to work with voice actors about teaching them how to use your, use your vocal cords correctly so you don't damage your voice. But the reason that the True Tell started in the first place was because of that experience where I had a doctor who told me that I was speaking in the wrong part of my voice. And his whole idea was that we all have what's called a vocal identity and we walk the planet trying to sound the way we think we should. I spent so much time, ladies, trying to sound like my, you know, my incredible colleagues and friends to, to book more jobs, and it worked. I was using a voice. Debbie Cope said something to me a long time ago. She said, the voice you were using at the time, Dave, was a dead voice. It was a voice like this. So I pushed my voice into my lower throat, and it basically strangled my voice. I had no color in my voice, but they were buying it for trailer. They were buying it for promo. But eventually, I couldn't sustain that inauthenticity and my vocal cords strangled. So the, the way that the coaching began was teaching people to not do what I did, which was not speak authentically. And what started happening was people would come to me and say, I didn't realize this is so effortless. I couldn't believe how easy this is. And their careers started to shift. Mm. People would book more. And so that's how I started to build the business and went, wait a minute. This is amazing because when I worked really quickly, when I worked with the speech pathologist, this was the only doctor in the world who didn't treat my disorder, which is called spasmodic dysphonia. The only treatment of choice was putting Botox injections into the vocal cords to get the vocal cords to stop strangling. But, okay. when, you, but when you do that, the vocal cords, like Botox, if you use for your forehead, your vocal cords stop moving. So you're mute. Yeah. So what the hell good is that? Yeah. So I opted out of it. And so this was the only doctor in the world that didn't treat this with Botox. And so I learned, I went to work with him for four years as his apprentice. In addition to auditioning and working still as an actor, I went to work with him and worked with people from all over the world with the same disorder. And I realized this, this woman is a CEO. This one's an entrepreneur. She's a singer from Tokyo. They were from everywhere. And I said, wait a minute, they're not all actors. So this isn't an actor's problem. Uh -huh. This is a global communications problem. So the basis of this work, that's why this segment, this, this show you guys, I'm on with you, is called It's All About Authenticity. This isn't just simply about being a better voice actor. This is about being more of a truthful human. There's a Love difference. It. Does that make sense? It does. JT, yeah. did you have a follow-up? Um. Yeah, I mean, you were you were ahead of your time because you started doing the authenticity thing long before all of our specs started saying authentic conversation. Yeah. And so that's perfect for what you teach. Um, yeah. But you've been in this business long enough to see this change happen. Um, what do you think was the, the impetus for this change? Uh I think a number of things. I think that when we came off of 9-11, um, well, one of the things that happened right after 9-11, I remember it was in a workshop three weeks after it. And, you know, the sarcastic read was huge at that point. We, you know, the dry reads were really big, comedy reads. And we all said in the room, no one's going to care about what we do anymore. Like, why? 
what are we what are we doing this for? And I think the country really was trying to come out of a time that was just I mean, look what we're look what's happening in the world this week. I mean, we're talking about a similar thing happening happening in the Middle East that it's just that the numbness of the brutality of the way that the world can be shakes us to our core. So it, it makes us kind of take a step back and reflect on what are we doing? How are we communicating? How are we being loving, giving, respectful, like seen and heard? Those things become so big. Come the financial collapse in 2007, 8, 9, foreclosures, things like all of the things start evolving in this country where we just all started, I think, getting to the place where we were reaching what's called a tipping point, where there's a need for that kind of feel, that kind of authenticity, because people were becoming, because social media was becoming much more prevalent, um, messaging was becoming shorter, it was becoming more blunt, content was being created by influencers, content was being created by people that weren't holding the purse strings, And so there was a reality of the world that was infiltrating advertising where I personally think that the world was saying, we're done with the bullshit. Then comes COVID, which completely turns the world on its head. And the reads changed where they didn't want cool, hip, off-the-cuff reads. They wanted compassion. They wanted warmth, but they wanted it authentically. So authenticity has been at the foundation of everything for the past, at least for the past 10 to 15 years. But even in the last five, it's really exploded. Now it's all about at the corporate level. It is in every element of the business world, in the personal world, everyone, as you said, now it's all about authenticity. You know, it's just, it's kind of exploded. And not everybody gets that, you know? no. I mean, my read changed significantly over the, the months that we were coaching. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people ask, well, if I'm, if I'm being me in the audition, instead of what I think they want to hear, how am I going to book a job? Well, I think what happens is because we are so concerned in this business about how we sound, you know, that's the big thing. We're always concerned about that. And then when um, I say to you, it's none of your business how you sound, people think I'm insane. You know, you, it's, it, you're, you're basically saying to somebody, it doesn't really matter how you sound. It's more about the connection to what you're talking about that will affect how you sound. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's really more about what is the reason? And we're going to go, we're, we're going to kind of narrow in on one word. And the word is purpose. What is the purpose that you're behind the microphone at all, other than the fact that you've gotten an audition and you have to book a job? Sorry, not a good enough reason. <laughs> because in real life, when you step away from that microphone, you're not living in a world of perfection. You're not trying to uh, satisfy a speck. When you tell a story authentically, when you connect with the people in your life, your voice will turn itself exactly where it needs to go to make this happen. And so what I did for the longest time was try to live up to a standard. And I did it inauthentically. I booked work. I made an incredible living. But it crashed down around me because it wasn't real. 
I was a trained actor, which was phenomenal. But when I came back and relearned how to speak authentically, people would say to me, are you happy today? And I, what do you mean? They go, you sound amazing. What did you, what did you do to your voice? And it was the fact that they didn't know what they, what they heard. They just know they liked it. I keep saying this to people every day. When you bring that authenticity to anything in your life, that is what pulls people in. That's what makes people want to date you, invite you, hire you, promote you, whatever it is, represent you. It's because you're coming from a place of authenticity. There is no such thing. There is a thing about the sound of authenticity, but remember this, the sound of authenticity is the byproduct of truth. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's the the byproduct of being who we truly are. So I love, this is Alicia jumping in now, and I wanted to, hey, um, I wanted to ask you a few questions myself. So how we have a lot of newer talent who come in kind of during the authenticity movement, so to speak, Mm -hmm. right? They didn't learn radio. They haven't had to make the shift. They, they, can you help someone understand how they get there? Because I think some of us kind of grew slowly into that change, right? But how does someone understand what does that really mean for them? Um, What strategies can they use to find their authentic voice? I remember sitting in uh, VO Atlanta with you last year and this this sweet girl, and I cannot remember her name, raised her hand and talked about how she never spoke in her regular voice mm-hmm. because someone said that she sounded annoying. She always thought she sounded annoying. And she had to learn that that it's not that she's annoying. It's that people were bothered by her confidence, right? And so she pulled back on that. How does someone what strategies can someone use to discover those things for themselves if they don't have the beautiful opportunity to sit through one of your classes? I got to tell you, I really appreciate you bringing that up because I remember that girl distinctly. I really remember that. And I'm going to say something. I don't give a crap about what anybody thinks anymore about what they, what they've said to you. And I'm saying this crassly. I'm saying it crassly to everybody because this program is meant to be a cage rattler. It's meant to be a disruptor. It is never meant to be a kumbaya there, there. And I mean this with, with constructive support to everybody. I get passionate about this because when people are told, I had a client last night who told me his family has told him forever that he's too loud. I said to the client, I swear to God, this was 12 hours ago. And I said, or even less than that, I said, I want to hear joy. I'm missing joy. Well, I'm told my joy is too loud. I swear to God, I wanted to come through that computer so fast. I was so taken with that statement that when people make comments about you're too loud, your voice is annoying, or your confidence is annoying, the hell with them, everyone. I don't care if you're coming into voiceover in stage one, if you're in the middle level of your career, or you're an advanced pro. Your voice matters. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what people say to you. Your voice has value, each and every one of us. And when someone has felt that it's their God-given right to marginalize and minimalize your value, not in my watch, no way. So coming into this work, the first thing 
I know we all wonder about our voices. People have told me I have a great voice. I've heard this from so many people coming in. A lot of you feel that way. You've been complimented for a long time. This is about showing up as you. You can put together the best studio. And I remember, um, Jen, I think you were mentioning, this was a, one of your, um, your shows several months ago, talking about uh, voice samples for online. We were talking about the studios, putting the studios together and, and all that good stuff. You can have the best microphone. You can have the best studio put together. You can have it to the nines, everybody. But if you step up to that microphone and you don't know your value as a human, not as a voice talent, just what you bring to the world, that's what I would ask you all to kind of take some time to reflect on. You could take, take your workshops, work with me, work with other great coaches. We've got so many wonderful people in this business. But most importantly is take a few minutes for yourself to, talk, to think about the value of you as a human being. I say this all the time, Alicia, when I talk about um, people ask me, what do you do for a living, right? We all have had people ask that question, right? Um, and I say I'm a voice actor or I'm a voice coach. I don't consider it a job. I don't consider it what I do. I don't consider it a vocation. I consider it a gift, we all have a gift for what we do. That in of itself is what you bring to this work. When you enter the world of voiceover, you're bringing your gift to inspire people, to create empathy, to be compassionate, to educate. Whatever the reason for the story you're telling is, that's your gift. That's what you bring forward. And that is what the clients want. I know it's an easy thing for me to say sitting here and saying, oh, don't worry about the sound of your voice. But what we want to do is make this an inside job. Don't make it an external job. It's not about your voice. It's what you bring to the table as you, which will cause your voice to sound empathetic, authentic, compassionate, BFF, whatever, whatever the spec is. That's coming from how you show up as you. Does this all make sense? It does. And Dave, I want to just jump in on this because you've hit on something that I have mentioned actually several times, and I think it is fascinating that if it, you would think in theory, adults would know who they are, that they would be in a place to own themselves, own their life experiences, you know, that they would be confident in who they are. And it's actually quite the opposite for one of the reasons that you've already discussed. My kids, they own who they are. They have not been impacted. Like, they are very confident. My daughter, I am so proud of her. She is very confident in who she is, how she looks, in what clothes she wears. Like, she literally has not been negatively affected yet by the, you know, the workplace, by um, naysayers. Uh, you know, again, the you're too loud, you, you're annoying. They haven't been impacted. But I think that's so fascinating with adults is you would be like, get over it. Why, you know? Why, why, you know, why are you still hung up on that? But it's that reminder that over time you do start to shrink who you are to accommodate over time what other people are saying. And so I just really like that you pointed that out, that it's hard for a lot of adults to get to the place where they can say to hell with whatever everybody else thinks because they've just been listening to it for so long. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. It is the, it is so powerful that the work that I do with clients when they come in, you know, my, my 
my work isn't the quick fix. My work isn't the, you know, let's, let's do, we can do a quick tweak on a read or whatever. And that's great. We can totally do that. But the work here is for all of it. It's for the personal and the professional. It's the fact that people believe we have a personal voice and a professional voice, right? So you walk into the booth and you change your voice when you stand in the booth. And when you leave the booth, you have a different voice. And I say, you're using, you're, you're using another voice. And this happens with my corporate clients too. During COVID, people were working, we're all been working from home and now people are working from home much more often. And families for the very first time started hearing their parents, their brothers and sisters, their girlfriends, their boyfriends, whomever in their work voice. And people have said repeatedly, I had no idea she sounded like this. Or when somebody came into the kitchen at night and saying, and one woman complained to her husband, you got the work voice on again. So the same thing's true with actors in the world we live in. For some reason, we believe there are two different voices. This work is about unifying those voices. It's all about living as one person, not as two people or as three. You know, so this, love- go ahead. Sorry, I'm like totally interrupting. Um, keep going. Let me, fin- I'll bring mine in in a second. Yeah, no, please, and please do. Um, I, I get, when I get on a roll, I love it. And people just have to stop me and say, Dave, shut up. Uh, <laughs> um, but it really is about unifying your voice to have one voice that you use. And granted, it's a big ask of people. I, I know this isn't something that happens overnight, but it's for all of us to realize our value. And for anyone, regardless of what level you're at coming into voiceover, you've entered this business because you've got something to say. I don't think I've ever said that until right now. Everyone is coming into this business because they have something to say. Sometimes we forget that. We remember parents telling us we're too loud. Stage actors come to work with me and they remember directors screaming at them in the back of the house, speak to the back of the house. So they come to work with me and then they're, they're, they, they're, they're huge. Their voices are massive and I got to pull them out of the rafters. So we all have stuff that we're bringing to the table. But I think the question that you posed um, about how can people do these things without coaching? I think part of the most important thing is realizing what you're about to say has an incredible amount of value. I love that. That's beautiful. I, I grew up um, with ADHD. And one of the things that I talk about a lot now is that I was constantly told, and not by my parents, but everywhere else, to stop talking, stop talking, stop talking, because I talked so much, right? And so eventually, I began to kind of pull back and pull that part of my voice back. And I think that's something that a lot of neurotypical or neurodivergent people experience. And I'm sure that's something that you have dealt with. Um, One thing that I do now when it's like a little hack that I use when I'm feeling like my read is getting stiff and I start sounding more like everyone else. And like, I know I'm, I think I'm supposed to sound. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I love to be on TikTok and I make a lot of videos and I feel like I can be a hundred percent my true authentic self there. So I will listen to one of my videos for about 30 to 45 seconds. I'll just listen to myself when I'm just being me and I can truly hear my own voice. And then I will just pop into an audition and, you know, turn off the video and go in. Is that the kind of strategy that you think could be useful? Someone record their voice when they're just talking to friends or something like that. Absolutely. That is a, that is such a great 
exercise. No one has ever told me they've done that with TikTok. I think that's fantastic. Um, because again, this goes back to purpose. This goes back to what your gift is. Your gift is making videos. And when you're making videos, well, let me ask you, when you're making those videos, how does it feel? It feels great. I'm just, I get to help people. I get to be me and I don't have to worry about any pretensions. It feels good. Because yeah. you have something to say. Hello. <laughs> just say I have hello, something yes. to say. You have yes. something to say. Totally. And the best part is no one can tell me to stop talking. I can talk as long as I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Karma's a bitch. Um, it's yes, because you you come into the booth and you're and uh, come in, you, you're speaking in front of the camera because you're helping people. It's literally taking yourself out of that one dynamic and putting yourself in front of the microphone. Like you said, it's a quick segue. So that energy of helping, that energy of inspiring, empowering, whatever it is, is so present and so vibrant that it just is a continuation. I think that's a fantastic, whatever shoehorn you guys can find to get yourself into that authenticity um, is huge. Music is a great way of doing it. Doing a video is a great way to do it as a warm-up. Anything that's going to get you in that place and... I know it sounds like I'm I'm just kind of reaching for a cliche, but meditation is massively important. It's huge. It really, to me, that has really helped me. Before I would go to DPN every morning, I would park my car about 30 minutes before my audition time, and I would I would meditate for about 15 to 20 minutes every day in the car before I go into the agency. Or if I do it at home now, I I I will literally get myself centered. It's a that's a massive, that's a massive help. I think it's so crucial to knowing who you are and to being able to look inside and consider yourself. And that's part of our voice, right? Yeah. Um, we, we all know, uh, regardless of the industry that we're in, the leaders and the people who do not resonate with us come from a place perhaps of not truly knowing who they are. They feel insecure. They feel like they're being challenged by others. They, I, my husband bumps into it at work in in the people he deals with. And I think that that's one of the things that anyone in any industry can take from your methods is to know who they are and to speak to the people that they speak with, whether it's through voiceover or whether it's through a podcast with that true authentic voice. But let's dial back to voiceover a little bit and talk about specs. We get specs, especially if you're in the agent world, you may get very specific specs. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like specs are there to guide us or do they inhibit us? Do you recommend people use them or not use them? And um, with that, I'm going to sign off and let NJ and JT take over the rest of this. But I just wanted to say thank you before I close off because we're headed into a remote part where I won't have good coverage. Well, first of all, I hope the scenery is nice. It's beautiful. Fall colors, North Carolina mountains. It's a (laughs) win-win. Wow, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Just drive safely. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be here with, with, with you. So thank you for that. Um, specs. Yeah. Um, the thing about specs is, and I think you made a good mention of it too, is that it's a guide. The reason that specs are on the page, everybody, is it isn't what you need to become. In other words, they're going to say, well, I need you to be 30, 30 to 50 and be all ethnicities and you can be you know, uh, male, female, you can be uh, transgender, you can be uh, non-binary, you can be gender fluid. I mean, all of those things that they're presenting to you is they're looking for everything. 
when you're getting all that, or if it says male 30 to 50, it says female such and such. Um, all the other adjectives that they use to describe it, compassionate, edgy, sarcastic, masculine, feminine, gravitas, all of these words that you see aren't the things they need you to kind of, you know, jump over a bar to get to. It's the fact that you already are those things. Meaning that the specs are the last thing you look at. Now, I know that normally when you look at a script, a lot of times people will go right to the bottom or right to the top to look for the specs. That actually is the last thing you need to look at. Because if you're if you're on a pay-to-play, if you're working with an online agent, you're working with an online casting uh, casting company, your samples that you put up obviously have attracted the client. The samples are, and obviously we're using an algorithm to do this. A lot of, sometimes the algorithms are off, but the bottom line is when you're on, when you are invited to audition for something, you're invited for a reason. Let's talk about because you have something to say. What is the gift you're bringing? We, it all goes back to core, everybody. It goes back to purpose. So when you see a spec, don't try to play into the spec. That's the worst thing you can do because the spec is the byproduct. This is why I mentioned that a few minutes ago, is that the sound of what you're saying is the byproduct of your connection or your lack of connection to something. If you're connected to what you're saying, you're going to sound connected. If you're not connected to it, you won't. So it goes back to the principles of just conversation, the way we communicate. Connection sounds connected, disconnection sounds disconnected. That's it. I call it audio math. So focus on, again, your value when you step up, understanding the gift of you, and then focus on the story. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So does all of this, so you have a a, a trademark uh, title phrase mm-hmm. called the true tell. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing this whole philosophy, what you're describing is applicable to that, but can you kind of tell our audience, what is the true tell? How did it come about? Sure. The true tell came about, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, um, after I had a vocal injury and the way that I started to coach actors, which was kind of, it kind of was born out of painting the windows black. You know, and figuring that if I'm not my voice, this was huge. I felt that I had created such an incredibly profitable career that it came crashing down around me. And if my voice was less than, what did that mean about me? If I'm not my voice, then who am I? So I went through this crisis of identity. And once I built myself back up, I started to try and help other people. It was just kind of giving back, right? And people started to really attach themselves to this whole idea of how it felt to be authentic through the coaching I was doing. One day, somebody came to me and said, you know, last week when we talked about that McDonald's spot that we worked on, I said, yes. And you mentioned to me, Dave, about my true tell about that particular, about how I felt about that particular product or that burger or whatever. I was trying to find a name for this program for the longest time. I didn't even remember that I had used the word true tell until the actor came back and used it, said it back to me. And that's how the name of the program was created, simply. But the true tell, the definition of the true tell is your 100% authentic opinion about every single thing you talk about in the world. It's your authenticity of how you see your life every single day, which is why I'm saying that 
the relationship between who you are in front of the microphone and away from it is the same. Your brain, heart, and soul function in a place of truth 24-7. It's when you step into the booth that you suddenly think things need to be different. You need to present yourself in a different way. That's when you go out of true tell. You know the people in your life that you spend time with, you chat with, you know, I mean, you all know, you guys know when you're in like the zone with somebody you really want to spend time with, right? Yes. Yeah. And then there's those times where there's those people, I love to use this analogy in, in session with clients where, you know, you might come home and you may have said to somebody and you're in, you have a friend that's been dying to get together for dinner and you've been putting it off for a year. And you run into that person and they go, we need to have dinner. And you go, yeah, you know something? Let's do it. And you go home and you say, oh my God. (laughs) Yes. What did I do? (laughs) So the dread of the waiting, especially the day of the dinner, you're literally counting down on the clock till seven o'clock and you go to dinner and it's as bad as you knew it would be. Nothing to talk about. Miscues of conversation disinterest. I mean, it's just, it's like watching paint dry. And then there's those times with those friends and family and everybody else where everything feels amazing. It is the best time spent. It is so fluid. That's when you're in truth. That's when you're in true tell. The other situation with the friend that's like watching paint dry, that's when you're out of true tell. All of this work is about how it feels to yeah. tell the story. It's about feeling, not about sound. You know, it's, I just saw a TED talk and I didn't even watch all of it, but the very first, the hook was your voice, whether you know it or not, which we would know as we coach and study, but just this was general population. When you hear someone's voice in different circumstances, you know their voice. So you, when you hear your spouse talking on the phone at work, they have a work voice. When you hear them talking to their child, that's they have this other but it's still authentic to your point but that you're right like it's what's your purpose what's your intent what's the emotion Mm -hmm. and it does it changes but um anyway i just i really like finding your authentic self and trying to not force it into you know a hole and and, and yeah. the speck hole as it were that's a horror i should not even have said that but anyway we're calling <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a children's book all right okay. anyway so last question from me and then i'm going to turn it over to jt so the true tale is not just for voice actors no right so no. what do you no. do you actually do you teach this to business professionals? I mean, does this go does your coaching go beyond VO? Yes, it does. Okay. It, it yeah, it goes to it goes to a number of executives, it goes to different industries because again, it's all about communication, right? So, you know, people in the HR industry, particularly the sales industry, um, the legal industry, uh, airlines, uh trans any form of transportation, a form of of customer service. I mean Anything, and it's not just, you know, all with, with customers. It's how C, the C-suiters are dealing with their staff, how colleagues talk to each other, how we talk to vendors, and also how we talk to our families and friends. Because we're unifying the voice, it's talking about every aspect of life. You know, I had a woman that came up to me at a workshop uh, in San Francisco about four years ago and said, are you doing anything like this for, for freshmen in college? She said, this would be a fantastic program to teach freshmen, college freshmen, 
about speak of finding their authenticity as they go into college. And I was, I'm all over it. So there's a number of levels of where this is kind of unfolding. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it just, it's kind of where, like I said to you, the reason why I stepped away from day-to-day voiceover and I, and I talk to agents and managers and casting directors every day, it's staying in the world every day. But this is where I feel like speaking of purpose, this is where I feel like I belong now. You know, that's, that's why I'm doing it every day. Now, will we see you in Atlanta? Yes, I'm going to be there. Woohoo! I'm going to be there. Absolutely. I, I'm putting some finishing touches on um, a workshop that I'm going to do there and something different than I've done before. Um, <laughs> something very different. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I always love View Atlanta. It's so much fun. It is. It it's is. A- well, we have made it an hour. I'm going to turn it over to JT. This has been amazing, amazing for myself and I I know for all of our listeners. So JT, you want to take us out? Yeah. You know, um, I have to say too that working with you on my true tell didn't just change my read. If you see my profile picture, do you remember what it was before I was working with you? I'm trying to remember what it was. With the... Um, the hat and the sunglasses and the, oh, the trench coat. Yeah. Totally. And yeah, voice cognito. I spent the first 16 years of my career not being myself. And now you said, okay, take that read and wrap it in flannel. And I yeah. told NJ and AB and my husband, and they were like, that is you. That's exactly you. And I'm actually sitting here in a flannel shirt now. Um, I rebranded everything. My website is now Jen Tifoni VO. The picture is me in a flannel and, and I'm me. Oh, Jen. Thank you. That is, I I can't tell you how much that means to me. I'm looking at the picture right now and I love the picture and yeah, I mean, I, I can't tell you how much that means to me. It truly, you know, no, no exaggeration at all. I, I, when I hear things like that, it just helps to emphasize how important this this is. And I give you so much credit and I am so proud of you for doing that because when we did work together, I, I said to you, there is such a, there's such a grounded knowing in when you talk. You know, that's what clients are looking for. They're looking for the fact that you know what they know. There's no need to prove, no need to push. You know, and I think when you found that about yourself, I, I just, I, I'm telling you, I think that's fantastic. Good for you. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so before we let you go, though, we like to ask our guests three for fun questions, James Lipton style. Okay. So are you ready? I'm in. All right. First question. What singer, band, or composer are you most enjoying right now? Ooh. Singer or composer I'm really enjoying right now. I'm, you know something? I am, I'm old school. Right now, I'm really loving Fleetwood Mac. Very cool. I love Fleetwood Mac. Absolutely. It just, it it really, they, especially the fact of what's happened to the band, but it really makes me happy. Yeah. All right. Dig that. Um, not all of our guests listen to podcasts, but if you do, what podcast are you enjoying right now? Uh, I'm listening to Gary Vaynerchuk. I listen to him mm. almost every day. Love him. 
Gary V every day. Um, Tim Ferriss, I listen to a lot. Okay. Yep, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. And this one seems to be the hardest question for most people. Mm. What's your favorite dessert? Hot fudge sundae. Oh. No nuts. Bam. Very no nuts. <laughs> absolutely. I am, I am a very simple guy when it comes to desserts. You know, give me the chocolate, give me the vanilla, don't give me strawberry, never give me caramel. Don't give me butterscotch. Don't give me anything. Just give me straight on hot fudge. He didn't even hesitate. No. 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 Oh, no. I'm I'm a very simple guy when it comes to that. All right. We have that in common. I don't eat ice cream often, but when I do, it's a hot fudge sundae. I'm from from Boston. And actually, I also love... um, what we we call them fraps. We call them milkshakes here in California. But there is a there was an ice cream chain called Friendlies. Yeah. Yeah. And they have they have a milkshake called the Fribble, which <laughs> is like the best thing. It's like the most ridiculous thing in the world. So uh, I if you gave me a choice between a hot fudge sundae and a fribble, I probably will go for the fribble. But <laughs> if I don't have the fribble, I'm definitely going for the hot fudge sundae. Okay. <laughs> Well, we want to thank everybody for joining us live today. If you're listening to our podcast, feel free to join us live on LinkedIn every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Meanwhile, be sure to connect with each of us on LinkedIn and join the VO Booth Besties Facebook group. It's fun. We promise. Um, If you missed a live episode, you can always catch the recording later on our website, boothbesties.com, or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. We would love it if you would hop on any platform and leave us a review. Those reviews help us reach more listeners who are looking for great voiceover content. And don't forget to like and subscribe. And make sure you're signed up for our VO Booth Besties newsletter so you know what's coming up in the week ahead. Every Monday, we are offering accountability groups at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern, hosted by the amazing Nevin Stoltz, as well as a second group at 4 Pacific, 7 Eastern, headed up by Jess Matheson, It's a place where you can set your goals, talk with pairs, and just get your crap done. And next Thursday, we'll be joined by AJ McKay talking about radio imaging. Thank you all for being here and have a wonderful rest of your day. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Well, pretty much anywhere they're playing podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook so we can keep the conversation going. Video Booth Besties. Yeah, it's a thing. thing.